Hey, I'm Noble. Thanks for checking out the message today. I'm so thankful that you're here and we would love to connect with you. An easy way to do that is you can text River Connect one word to 97000. You can also go through our website and find out more about us and see what we have coming up. Lastly, if you'd like to give to the River Church, you can text an amount to 84321 or you can go to the giving tab at the top of the page. I just want to thank you for being with us today and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye now. Good morning, everyone. So glad you're here. Welcome to the River Church. If you do have your Bible, we'd love for you to turn to Philippians chapter number four, uh, whether that's your phone or your tablet or, or old thing like paper, you're allowed to use that too. Uh, if you don't, uh, we'd, if you don't remember your Bible or don't have a Bible on your phone, we'd love for you our church app, the River Church app. It's on there on the front page at the very bottom. Just click the Bible. We'd love for you to follow along with us. Uh, before I begin, just want to give you a little update. Uh, a few months ago, at all of our locations, we do something called Power of Three every year. And what that is, is a specific uh, fun for each location. And uh, just as each location pastor sees some things that need to be taken care of uh, on top of our, 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 our offering. Um, but uh, for our location, our Power of Three, uh, we started in September. And I guess to backtrack, the one that was last year, uh, was to redo our kids' area, and that is in works right now. They finished painting the bathrooms yesterday, and so all new kids' bathrooms down there, and all new, a uh, whole new kids' wing, which we're excited about. And then the, the current Power of Three, which we started in September, is really, uh, the Lord has blessed us uh, with a wonderful building that we can use for ministry, and we're thankful for it. And uh, buildings are fun sometimes. Uh, and so that roof over the gym and the education wing is about 30 years old, so there's about 15 buckets up in the attic, just capturing some water right now, as this week was fun. But the fun really is to, to replace that attic. It's to replace the carpet on floor one, because we got a lot of foot traffic, and it's to redo the stairs up front, uh, which uh, has a lot of wear on it, which we're thankful for. So uh, in, in about four or five months, uh, we have $40,000 in that. We're looking to raise one hundred and twenty-five. Uh, and again, uh, it's not about the money thing. We just want to tell you, we've asked you to give, want you to give you an update on that. Thankful for your faithfulness to that. And uh, again, just thankful and taking care of what the Lord has blessed us with. All right, Philippians chapter number four. Do any of you in your family have someone, maybe it's a child, brother, sister, aunt, somebody who is a great gift receiver? What I mean by that, they're just that person. When they get a gift, they open it up. It is the most wonderful thing to watch. My son is one of these. Like, he is just great. You give him a gift, he opens it up, and he's like, it's a spoon. He's like, man, do you know the cereals that I can use for the spoon? I'll just stick it in. Dude, the soups, I mean, this is just a wonder. I'm like, son, it's, it's a spoon. He's like, oh, and just the excitement and the happiness, and it just overflows, and you love giving gifts to people like that, don't you? Because they love it. But maybe you have the other in your family. They're terrible gift receivers. They open up their gift, and they go, eh, th- thank you. This is so wonderful. I can't believe the extent you went to to give me this gift. You have one of those? You never want to give them a gift again, do you? Well, this morning, we're going to speak on receiving a gift. 
In the book of Philippians that we've been studying and this month, January, studying who the church is, what we do and why we do it. In the book of Philippians, Paul receives a gift. When you read the first chapter, you'll find that someone comes to him and and delivers a gift from the church to help him in ministry as he's in prison. In the end of chapter 4, Paul speaks specifically to this giving. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, receiving a gift. Philippians 4 verse 10, let's read it. The Bible says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So what Paul is saying is he was in prison. He received a financial gift to him to help him continue to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he thanks him. You may read this and be like, well, isn't this a little bit of a rebuke? Like they revived it. They were supposed to. No, he's saying you didn't have opportunity. And when you did, you stepped right in and I am overjoyed. Verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hungry, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who, gives, who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you, Philippians yourself, know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except for you. Paul is saying, when the church began some 10 years ago, you helped me. When I left, you were the ones that stepped up. It's not that nobody else gave to Paul, but in that situation, you church, you said, hey, we want to help the gospel spread. So you gave. And he's grateful. You can go to the book of Acts and see this. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I receive full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from... Now, I've worked on this word many times through this way. I just want you to know this. We're just going to call him Eman. Okay, so Eman sent a gift, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. In this ending to the letter, Paul speaks of receiving this gift. Working on the sermon this week, it just was so eye-opening for me. Maybe because I'm a pastor and Paul was, was such a pastor to the church here. So how he received the gift, it reminds me of, okay, where is my heart in receiving what the Lord is blessing and how we're being generous? But I also see as a believer, what does it look like as we give to the work? What, what are we called to do? Now, you may be sitting there and say, wait, did you say gift? You mean like gift, like moving to like money? Did I come the week we're talking about finances? Did I, re- is this the week? And some of you, I saw you look over and go, did, did, did the nursery just text us and say our baby's crying? Maybe we should go get our baby. I mean, she wasn't feeling good last night. Or, you know, I think our sub pump stopped working. There's a lot of water out there. And as a pastor, 
It's easy to be reluctant to speak on being generous. You can be reluctant. Why? Because people can be suspicious of leadership in the church, can't they? That as a pastor, I want to tell you, as I preach this sermon, in no way, I, I want, the word greed is so gross. And so as a pastor, when you preach on these things, in no way do you want to go, well, this is, this is greedy. They're about the money when we're not. Or instead of linking the church with greed, you can link them up with like the prosperity gospel that says, you know, as long as you do what's right, if you come to church on Sunday morning before the lions play, the Lord must let the lions win. That is not true. That is not good Bible study. So so we don't want to be linked with prosperity gospel. That basically says if you have enough faith, you'll be healthy and wealthy. That's not biblical. Or even like the more toned down where, well, if I keep the moral system of the Bible, God is obligated to bless me materially. So we don't want to be that. But we also have to teach what the Bible says. It is important for us to know what does the Bible say with our stuff and with our time? and with, what, what is that to look like? Now, some of you are sitting here, and you're thinking, Pastor, you don't have to give a disclaimer on the sermon. We want to know what the Bible says. Like, we want to know, like, how can God shape my heart in giving and mold me? And, Pastor, we, we've been here. We know uh, the church's heart. We've seen you. We know your heart. And so you don't have to give a disclaimer. And, and I'm thankful for that. That is many of you. But some of you are new, or you've been hurt, Or you've seen things, you see the guy on TV going, give to me and look what's going to happen. And it's gross. So this morning I want to dive in and and how I want to to look at this is, how did Paul receive the gift? I think it's so helpful in us understanding who we're to be as Christians. So how did Paul receive the gift? Well, back to verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. I want you to picture this as hopefully you've been with us studying. If you've missed a couple weeks, jump online, jump on our app. You can see those sermons or listen to them. Paul is in prison. History tells us he is chained to a Roman soldier. He doesn't have freedom. Anytime Nero can say he's done, his life is over. The Philippian church sends a gift to help him. As we looked at chapter 1, we saw that Paul says, I'm so thankful for your partnership. He says, what's crazy is the things that are happening in the jail and with the soldiers. And there are still people in chains. There are people coming to know the Lord. They're coming to know Jesus. It is amazing. Thank you. And so Paul receives the gifts. He, He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. If you look at verse 14, he says, it was kind of you. I want you to see the joy. And so the first thing that I find that, how does Paul receive the gifts? He receives the gift by carefully giving thanks. You may ask, what what do you mean by carefully giving thanks? I see Paul as being careful because thanks can turn to manipulation real quick. As one commentary said, he said, Paul is so careful. As I read, you may have missed it, but I've circled it in my Bible over and over again that 
That, not over. I, I circled it once. It's not 70 times. So, <laughs> Verse 11 says, not that I am speaking of being in need. He says, thank you for the gift, but I'm not thanking you because I, 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 it's about me. You look down at verse uh, 17. He says, not that I seek the gift. Paul is in partnership. He wants to see the gospel go forward. And his heart is not, hey, keep that on coming. Because it's for me. It wasn't his heart. So if you see a pastor and they see their heart going, hey, come on. It's a warning. Paul goes, this isn't about me. This is about us being partners. And I want to carefully thank you. Again, as one book said, he said, thanks. Paul did not want this to look like manipulation or to be manipulation. To go, hey, I'm thanking you so that you keep doing this. That wasn't it. It wasn't flattery. Now listen to the definition of flattery. Flattery is excessive and insincere praise to further one's own interest. He didn't sit there and go, man, you're so wonderful. We're naming the elevator after you. <laughs> didn't do that. That's why you see this carefulness. He, he keeps going back to, hey, this isn't about me. This isn't about trying to gain more. Why? Because greed is sneaky. Greed is dangerous. And all of us being in a little bit, we're just kind of in a like consumerism culture, kind of, sort of. Okay, the sarcasm. Right? <laughs> greed can slide in there so easily. It's so dangerous. So there's this being careful to give thanks as we do. Like we, we give thanks, but careful because greed will destroy you. It will destroy me. It is something that I pray against often. As a pastor, the Bible says as a pastor to guard yourself and three things I say often to guard myself against greed and glory and sexual sin. And I pray it often. God, protect me. So even with, with these greed things, there, there's protection. Like, listen, what you give, I have no clue. I, I don't go, who are the top ten I don't care. Why? Because I'm scared my heart may tilt a little bit to go, oh, you give, and I don't want that. And you may say, well, pastor, you just need to be stronger. And I'll tell you, my dad taught me a long time ago, sometimes it's not about, about being stronger, it's about being smarter. And knowing, man, there is greed is dangerous. Luke tells us in Luke 12, 15, he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So here, Paul is carefully giving thanks. Now also, you can see he's not quiet. He doesn't, well, we can't talk about the word. We're just not gonna, anybody's not going to say anything. No, he, he gives thanks. He's so thankful. That, that's okay. Right? When somebody blesses you, it's okay to give thanks to them. That's why Pat comes up here, Roy. Like, we say thank you because we're sincere. Some of you, so faithful. Some of you give once in a while, thank you. 
It's a blessing. But here, he's careful because greed is so dangerous. We've seen it destroy friendships and family and marriages. Greed can consume us. It makes us mourn. It makes us joy. It makes us stress. It makes us exciting. But in the end, there's no freedom in greed. So here Paul carefully thanks them. And then Paul go on to verse 11. He says, not that I'm speaking of being need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul receives this with contentment. Here's the thing that's incredible. If the gift came, he was content. If the gift didn't come, he was content. His joy in the Lord didn't change. He had this amazing contentment. And if you follow along and know the story of Paul, it wasn't easy. 1 Corinthians 4.11, to the present hour, we were hungry, we were thirsty, we are poorly dressed, buffeted, and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. 2 Corinthians 6.4 says it this way, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. As you read through this passage, you'll find twice that Paul says that he learned to be content. There was a teaching time which the American church, we don't really like. We don't like the teaching time. Like to go through that. And the, he had to go through that struggle. And through the struggle, he realized how real and wonderful and gracious and true and loving God is. And in the turmoil, he was content. The satisfaction with the Lord. That Paul's circumstances didn't determine his contentment. Here he teaches about not being self-sufficient, like, well, I'm just going to muscle up and do it. No, he says, be Christ-sufficient and look to Jesus. There was a poem I read. I didn't bring it up here, but it basically the poem went like this. It said, I'm in spring, but oh, how I can't wait for the summer weather. I'm in summer, but oh, how I look to the fall and the leaves and the autumn and the smell. I'm in fall, and oh, how I look forward to the holidays in the snow. These are weird people who like fall to winter. I'm in winter, and oh, how I look forward to the spring. I'm a young man, and oh, how I can't wait to grow up to have that freedom. Oh, I'm a middle-aged man, and oh, how I can't wait to get to retirement and to be free of my job. Oh, how I'm retired, and oh, how I can't wait to be young again. And it's a picture of so many people's lives, of discontent. That no matter where they're at, there's no... They're just looking to the next dollar, the next thing, the next promotion, the next relationship, the next girlfriend, the next thing that they go, well, this will be, bring contentment. And none of it fulfills us. 
Paul is saying, I'm content in whatever situation. Why? Because my eyes are not on what's next or what I have. My eyes are on Jesus and his wonderful love. This is the contentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. If you wonder, Pastor, how do I know if I'm struggling with being content or not? This week, read 1 Timothy 6. When you read it, it'll point to the person who has, who points to the rich man. And it'll show you, it'll reveal that error, it'll reveal that greed by what? If there's arrogance, if there's misplaced trust, if there's not enjoying God's free gifts, if it's not doing good works, if it's making poor investments, if it's living an empty life, we realize that creed, greed is slowly creeping in. I mean, you may be sitting here and go, Pastor, I'm not with the rich crew. Well, the poor crew has the same temptation because you can be tempted to be jealous or envious or doubting God. You can lead to sin to go, well, I need to do this and this to get to this spot of being content, and it won't bring you there. I love this quote from Warren Worsby. He said, contentment now is not complacency. It's not a false peace based on ignorance. It's not an escape from the battle, but rather an abiding peace and confidence in the midst of, of the battle. Paul receives this gift. And he leads us to look and go, hey, this isn't about greed. Are we content? Is our hope, is our trust in the Lord? Or do we keep looking at ourselves, looking at the next dollar, thinking, man, I... I know the Lord has this for my relationship, for my marriage, but I think... I think I'm going to find contentment in other ways. I, th- I think it's here, but I, I think, Lord, I think I got a better way to be content. And Paul, this wonderful example, he says, if I'm hungry or I'm well fed, if I'm relaxed or if I'm beaten, my contentment is in the Lord. Do we believe the verse in Isaiah chapter 40 that says, He gives power to the faint, to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Paul receives this gift and says, church, we have to be content in the Lord. And it was so beautiful because he said, hey, this work is the Lord's work. So whether you give it or don't, guess what? It's the Lord's work. He's got it. And as a pastor, I want the same thought. Hey, this is the Lord's church. Doesn't matter what comes in this week or next week. This is the Lord's church. We want, hey, God, you do what you want to do. And we have this contentment, trusting in him. Paul goes on in verse 13. He receives with a careful thankfulness. He receives with a contentment. 
And then he receives with the confidence. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Maybe the most misused verse in all of the Bible. Now you have a little context to this verse. Paul in prison could be put to death. He says, hey, I I can do all things. I love what one pastor he said. He said, Paul is not saying, I can do all things through Christ. I can pull these chains apart, break them, body slam the Roman guard, and then run out of here with 4-4 speed. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not what he was saying. And we've taken this verse to kind of be like, well, God will make me a superhero to do. But we see the context. We see Paul is saying, hey, it doesn't matter what the battle is. I have the strength to be content. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. God, who is real and wonderful and powerful, he gives me the strength to get through it. And yes, yeah, it's not the superhero thing, but don't, don't miss that God has equipped us with divine power to be content. And Paul receives this gift with careful thankfulness, contentment, courage. And then in verse 17, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He was concerned about them being fruitful. He was concerned that he said, hey, I'm not worried about it for me. What I want is the fruit to go forward. And when we study the Bible, when the Bible talks about fruit, and I believe specifically here is speaking to that the church, that the gospel of Jesus Christ may go out. That's why back in chapter one, as we read the whole book, we don't miss. This is all about the gospel of Jesus. He's saying your gift helps us to partner up so that people may know Jesus Christ. They may know that Christ came and loves them and died on the cross and is the way, the truth, and the life. They may know Jesus went to the cross, perfect, took their sins upon the cross so that they may have life and a relationship eternally with God. And Paul says, I so want you to be fruitful. The increase, the blessing is we're partners you read through the section, he says we're partners down in verse uh, 17. Partnership with me in giving and receiving. If you go back to chapter 1 and verse 5, he says the th- same thing. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He knew there were partners in the work. Church, we're partners in the work. The word to be a church, if this is where your home church is, maybe you're new and checking this place out, here's what we want you to know. We're a church that we're partners in whatever that is, in the giving of, of time and effort and teaching or money, whatever it is, we go, we're, we're partners. I want you to know, my wife and I, like, we, we're partners. I don't just stand there and go, yep, thanks for giving everybody, take it. No, we come and we go, no, we believe in the work too. We're coming to partner with you. We give because we believe in it and go, hey, this work of spreading the gospel, we so want to happen. 
And so that leads us to as Paul received, it teaches us how to give. So I love what one said. He said, listen, we don't come to church as customers or consumers. So hear me. Don't come to church and go, well, thank you, pastor and the worship team. You guys did a good job. I'm going to go ahead and put my check in. appreciate what you've given to me, and I'm going to now go. It's not you come in and our customers can say, okay, I received this. Thank you. You, you had volunteers. You took care of my kids. We're going to pay for that. That's not what this is. This is partnership. This is, this is together. As Paul said, hey, however you work in the ministry, we do it together as a team. So as a pastor, I want to say thank you. So many of you give. Again, I don't know what that is, but I want you to know we give as partners. And it's not just the offering that we're talking about. You give of your time, you give of your counsel, partnering together so that we may people may see people come to know Jesus and to have true contentment. Right? Our world, we have more stuff than ever. Could we be any more discontent? And if we get real personal, can the church get any more discontent? But to be at peace knowing he's God, that is life-changing. To be at peace to know I can do all things that the divine power of God that I have that lets me sit in the joy of the Lord in the chaos. This is the truth the Lord says. And there's those little moments, there's those big moments, and all in between. Right before Christmas, a lady at our Holly location, a mom, single mom, six kids, coming to the church. I believe they, all, they, they just got baptized. Transmission went out on their van. So there's a guy at the Waterford location that has worked on cars. And so the kids guy called him and said, hey, any thoughts on this? And so he went to his growth community and said, hey, guys, why don't, let, let's just pay for their transmission. So their growth community gave together, paid for the transmission, had the transmission done, and they delivered it to the lady's house. Man, th- this is a kind of like partnership. And I don't tell you who those people are because they're like, I don't want people to know who did that. This is just a partnership where we love people. So how do we give? It's a partnership. But it keeps going. Verse 18 says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. He says, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, you give to worship the Lord. Right, if those people gave so that they hoped to get their name on a plaque, then don't give. Because we give to worship the Lord. We, we give to, to, to praise Him. Hebrews 13, 16, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. There's this thought of blessing the Lord. 
It reminds me, and I've told you this illustration before, of my son was in his music program when he was like five, six years old, and he had one specific part. He had the cowbell, best instrument, right? He had the cowbell, and once during the song, he had to like hit it at the right time. So my son's like five years old. There's a whole crowd. Everybody's watching their kid. And I'll never forget. It's coming to his time. And he hits the cowbell. And all of a sudden he gets done and goes, it looks dead at me. <laughs> Maybe he was looking at mom too. But I'm just going to say he was looking at me. <laughs> and I think there were a couple times in that song he had to every time couldn't have cared less who else was in the crowd, right? Didn't matter. These people, it was dad and mom. Did you see that? Because I want to please you. And as a dad, like my heart's like, woo! You're like overflowing best cowbell ever, right? The most amazing thing. And think about the relationship with the Lord. Like when we give, like give to glorify him, to praise him, to worship him. And the Bible says it's this sweet aroma, this illustration of blessing the Lord. It's this relationship. You look at God going, God, this is to please you because you're God. That's the giving we're called to. So how do we give? We give as partners. We give as pleasing to the Lord. And then verse 19 says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Here we can give peacefully, generously, and sacrificially. And you may say, how do you get that out of that verse, Pastor? Well, it seems to me that they gave in a way that Paul had to reassure them, hey, God's got you. He, he's going to take care of your needs. It even says how he's going to take care of your needs. He says, I'm going to take care of your needs according to his riches and glory. Not like he's going to take care of you a part of his riches and glory. No, according to his riches, God, supreme, is going to take care of your needs. So we give as peace to people who are we peacefully give to go, this is what the Lord has called me to give. Again, whether it's a night or a time or a phone call. Titus 3.14, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So you may be sitting there and say, okay, pastor, go ahead. Give me the number. What's the number I'm supposed to give? Give me the percentage. What is it? What, go ahead. Tell me what it is. Is it before taxes or after taxes? I got to figure that out. I don't think there's a number. I kind of wish there was. It'd be real easy. Right? Some people go back to the Old Testament and they say a tithe, which means 10%. So you've heard it said, you just give 10%, you're good. I don't see that applied to the church. I don't. I really wish it'd be really easy to go, okay, everybody, 10%. But here's the thing. You could be 10% in your heart, not be honoring the Lord. So it's, not, it's no good. So how do we give then? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. The Bible says this. The point is this. 
Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Wait, Pastor, you think that's talking about financial? Yes. So, Pastor, I thought we were prosperity. We're not. Because if you give out of the heart of greed, you are sowing sin into your life and is sowing hurt and pain. If you give with going, God, you're the genie in the bottle. You better give me what I want. You see your heart isn't right. But here the Bible goes, you reap what you sow. Look what you plant and how you give. The Lord is going to take care of your needs. Do you trust it? So you see they gave generously and sacrificially. Verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I have a quote in my Bible that says, what we do with what we have is a great indicator of what we love. So this morning, as we go to God's word and seek his truth, we see how Paul received the gift. We see him as this pastor. For me, it's an example of how the church is supposed to receive and what that looks like that we carefully thank people, that we must be content in the Lord, but also courageous in the Lord. But we must also be telling people, listen, God calls us to use the things that we have. And when you don't, you are missing out on fruit. You are missing out on the blessing. Leads us to give. How? In partnership. Leads us to give in praise to the Lord. It leads us to give in a peaceful, generous, sacrificial way. So I want us to be a church that sees the fruit. Sees people to come to know Jesus as their Savior. that they know a God who's real, that they don't see a bunch of fake people, but they see people whose lives are changed because we know Christ. They see a people with contentment that the world can't explain. So may we strive to be the church that Christ has called us to be. Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord God, may we honor you. Lord God, as you know, I pray often for our church. May we be good stewards. We pray for your blessing, but may we do the work you've called us to do. Share grateful. Continue to mold us and shape us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.